Uh, what I want to do today, um, we, we've had some incredible sermons over these past four months, and it's been amazing to watch what God is actually doing. So I want us to pause today and uh, before we move on, do a bit of a summary. Um, from my perspective, uh, I think it's really good to digest the amazing food, the spiritual food that we've been receiving, and it has been amazing. Um, I want us to all really grasp what is actually happening here. So let's just pray so that we all have ears to hear what God is saying, all right? <clears throat> Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your amazing truth, for your amazing word that has been coming through your vessels, Father, who have yielded themselves to you. Lord, we don't want to rush on too fast. Lord, we want to hear and understand and grasp. We want the seed of this word, of these words, Lord, that we've heard preached over these last four months to settle in to the soil of our hearts and for us to truly understand. We want that seed to grow. We want that seed to sprout and we want to see the fulfillment of it in our own personal lives. We don't want to just hear it and then it's gone. We want to actually grasp it, Father. So open our ears today and help us to learn and help me to learn, Lord. Keep speaking to me too, Lord. I'm learning too, Father. And I thank you for your grace upon all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen, amen, amen. Well, you know, it's amazing. Nothing else will actually nourish our soul like following and, uh, and working for Jesus. There's an amazing scripture. I want to start here. And then we'll go in and look at some of the things that have been said over these last few months. John four thirty one to 34 says this. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, sorry, I'm just going to try and put this up a bit, if I can. I don't know if I can. Can someone do that for me? Sorry. Technical difficulties, guys. Um, <clears throat> John four thirty one to 34 says, meanwhile, thank you. The, no, that's, that's fine. It's perfect. The disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. You know what I've really noticed, um, and I kind of want to use this as a bit of a foundation for how I'm going to summarise everything today. And remember, this is from my perspective. This is what I've been hearing. This is what I've been gleaning and what I've been hearing God say even to me through, through everything that they've been speaking about. Um, but I, I can see that there's a level of revelation that God is showing our guys. And it's all to do, in, in my understanding, it's, if you zoom right out and look at the big picture, what really amazes me is that God is actually showing them what and who church really is and uh, showing them the reality of that verse that I just read there. It's almost like I can see the lights have gone on in them and, uh, and I can see the joy of God just as they begin to speak so clearly uh, and to, to us, but also speaking about what God has so clearly spoken to them about. You know, and you've got to understand, we've got Carvin, we've got Josh, Sam and Chucky. And uh, all of these guys, every single one of them, along with many of you guys as well, have all been raised in church culture. Even the ones we saw here leading this morning have been raised in church. They were born into church. I mean, Abby was born, she, oh, well, she came to our church when she was two. So she's known no other church. So they've all been soaked 
in church. They've all been soaked in the Word. They've all been soaked in an atmosphere of worship and praise in various different places. You know, uh, Chucky was in another church leading different areas before he came to our church. Um, Sam, you know, his father's a pastor. He was he was a leader in his church. Carvin, of course, was living in America and was being raised up to be a senior pastor over there and very much a part of a very different kind of culture and a very powerful, strong, powerful as in powerfully influential kind of culture that that he was in. And uh, Josh, of course, well, he had no choice. He was just born and he's part of our family, so he had to be in our church. And um, <clears throat> so that's all they've ever really kind of known. And, and yet I can see that something is shifting in, in them. You know, back in February, I began talking about how I really believe something has shifted this year. And I can see that not just from the big picture, but I can also see it in individual lives. And now I can see that there's this combination of the word of truth and the spirit of truth is in these guys and it's speaking. And it's not just them. Like I'm, I'm, just, I'm going to highlight today some of the things that they have been saying so that we will understand. But many of you, it's happening in many of you. I can see it happening in many of you. And, uh, but the incredible thing with these guys that I'm, I'm noticing is that they're listening. They're actually listening, not about listening to what's been preached. They've heard sermons all their lives, but they're listening in a whole new way to the spirit of truth, bringing to life that word of truth. Whew. There's nothing like it, guys. There's nothing else that will nourish our soul like following and working for Jesus like this. And I can see the lights going on. I can see the joy of their, their, their salvation coming through. It's, it's bubbling up out of them. When you get someone like Chucky asking if he can preach, you know something has shifted, guys. And I am in awe. Brahm and I are in awe at watching what's happening in all of them. Um, and and when, they, when they're speaking, and this isn't about sort of adulating them today, but I want us to understand what is going on. I want us to grasp. Let's not let this season bypass us without realising and recognising what God is doing. And the truth and reality is all of us can be a part of this. If we would jump into the river, if we will go for it and follow after God, it's going to happen in all of, every single one of us. These guys, if you listen carefully, their, their sermons are rich in scriptures. It's not the kind of, you know, from decades ago or even the last couple of decades, there's this trend to just take one scripture, one verse and build a theme around that and, and, uh, and just try and get the Bible to say what they want to say in their theme. No, 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 no. All of these guys are going deep into the Word of God, spilling out of them to the point that they almost could split their sermons up into two or three uh, Sessions, they're, they're so full. You know, Josh, taking on Hebrews, for goodness sake. You know, taking on Hebrews, one of the, the most profound books in the New Testament. Chucky, tackling big themes like the tabernacle of David. Sam, who'd never preached before. He'd been in our church. I mean, he had at youth meetings, but he'd never preached to a church before. He speaks like a pro. He has incredible insight and wisdom, and we can all hear it. And Carvin, well, what can I say? He's, Carvin, you've just gone to a whole new level. In, in your pursuit of the truth of God's church. And you know what? Every week I wait to see who's going to preach. Sometimes I don't know who's going to be this week. I just, we just sit there waiting. And uh, but I hang off every word that these guys are bringing. Not because they're my spiritual kids. It's more than that. 
they are actually speaking revelation and it's speaking to me. And this is the amazing thing. They are their messages. You know, Alana, um, it's, it's, it's just obvious. Alana said to me, sorry, Alana, I'm going to quote you here. Um, she said about Chucky, she said, that's, uh, for any of you listening, that's uh, Chucky's wife. Um, she just said he's become a walking sermon at home. Now, if you want to know the truth about someone's life, you ask the wives, okay? That's the real key. So, I'll, uh, Abby, I'll be asking you later about Josh. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, when you have a wife saying that about her husband, like, that's the word living in someone. You know, earlier this year, the, in fact, it was the very first sermon that, that kick-started 2022. It was Brahm. And he he talked about this new generation uh, and, and he referred back to the Old Testament and he said, it's like the, the, that Joshua generation no longer waiting for the parting of the Red Sea, which happened under Moses. Now this new generation couldn't just sit back and wait for it all to happen, uh, but that it was time to step into the Jordan River to, to really get their inheritance. And I can tell you that is what's happening now. And, and it's referred to even in the sermons. I believe Carvin mentioned it again. Um, you know, people are understanding and grasping and listening and threading through what they're hearing the other guys are saying. So there's this incredible um, sort of stream or river of truth and, and and revelation that is happening. And if we will have ears to hear, we will hear something quite profound. So I want to do a little bit of a summary. You know, I can hear Josh really wrestling with and grabbing hold of what God has called him to. Now, you've got to understand, Josh is our fifth child. So he's our youngest. He was three when we started our church. His first ministry at four was collecting the communion cups in church. And uh, he, he wasn't bad. We had to pull him into line sometimes, but he did a pretty good job as a three-and-a-half-year-old and four-year-old. Um, but, you know, here he is many years later, and he's gone through as part of a, being a PK, a pastor's kid, and uh, watching us and his siblings grow up in church and carry the burden of, of wanting a church to grow and, and, and wanting a church family. Um, but I can hear that he's wrestling and grappling with... Um, just that, that responding to the call of God and what God has called him to. I can hear it in his sermons. I mean, the, the very first sermon this year in January, he talked about this. It was so powerful. And it was all, it was, he came to the conclusion that to live is Christ. You know, I hear it in his songwriting, these new songs that are coming up. You can hear that, that, that the, the understanding that it's time to surrender and yield. And we sang it last week and Carvin referred to the words at the end of the sermon last week. Like they're, they're, that hasn't just come because Bra, uh, Bram, because Josh has sat down in a songwriting session and thought, what would be cool? What would be hip? What's a cool tune that they're doing nowadays? Um, you know, I know of churches that pay musicians hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to learn the trends of songwriting and hear what the latest melodies are and to, to, to do a group think kind of thing about what words we should put in songs. Like that's very cool if you want to do it the world's way, but there is nothing like being a transformed life who has wrestled with the reality of God and wrestled with the calling of God. There's nothing like a song or a sermon being birthed out of that because that's what makes you your message. And so I hear it. I can hear the wrestle that he's wrestling with that calling. And, uh, you know, uh, his, his sermon at the beginning of May, he talked about one of the comments he made. It was just amazing. I, I've been writing, taking down notes. Every person that's been preaching, I've just been taking notes as they're preaching and going back and meditating on those things and even had to go back and listen again and take down notes 
slowly, just like Chucky has been encouraging us to do, go back, stop and pause YouTube or pause the podcast and write it down and think about it, look up the scriptures. And I've been doing that. And one of the things that Josh said was that, you know, David had an agreement with God about his son before his son was ever born. And then he said, and Solomon, who was the son, who was eventually born, chose to walk in that call chose to walk in that. That agreement with God, that partnership with God was already made. And it was all to do with the call of God. And of course, Solomon had to learn how to respond. So the, the, and, and he still had to choose that. So the heart of what Josh was saying was the level of your freedom is equal to the level of your submission to the truth. And you know, he, it was almost like he was saying you have to calculate the risk of obeying the truth and submit. This is what I heard him say. You've got to submit regardless of what it will cost me. You see, I can hear that wrestle. I can hear that they're coming in with a calling. And then the following week, Carvin spoke and he said some profound things. Like he's just, he's knocking it out of the ballpark at the moment. He said, so many charismatic people bring us their gift, but they don't bring us the truth. Man, that is hard hitting. And that is truth, if ever I have heard it. And he said, it feels like there's a proving ground that God has brought us to. Guys, that is a prophetic word, not just for our church, but for the church right there. See, these are the things, if we'll go back and listen, you will hear some amazing things that are going to shift our mindsets and bring us into the next season that God has for each and every one of us. Okay, so then the next week, Chucky gets up and he preaches on identity, purpose and calling. And some of the things he said were this, we can miss the point and get bitter because our calling which is, you know, and he said, he clarified, he said, not calling to be good and to do good works, that, you know, that, not the calling, that the eternal calling and the things that God's calling us to. He's talking more about what we choose to do in life, where we land, where we walk, where we uh, head our lives towards, what we aim for in our lives. He said, you can get better because our calling becomes our purpose. And our calling of what we feel to do in this life becomes our identity. I thought this was profound. And you kind of got to go back and listen to really grasp what he's saying. But see, the thing is, we have to flip that around because what he ended up saying was our calling has to be because of our purpose. It has to be the fruit of our purpose. And the purpose has to be because of or flowing out of our identity, which is our identity in Christ. And our purpose is to to walk in the good works and then the calling naturally follows suit. So what I really heard him saying is that ministry, which is calling, which is what you do in your life, how you become a minister planted wherever you are in in this life, it becomes the fruit and overflow of your relationship with God. That's what I heard him saying. That's what ministry is. That's what calling is. It's not, I'm gonna be, you know, the greatest worship leader in the history of 21st century church. No, 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 no. Calling comes out of and is a fruit of the purpose that we've been set aside for and the purpose is submitted and is derived from the identity that we have in Christ. And remember he talked about one of those most profound moments that he had in one of our manifest conferences before he was even in our church. God smashed him, he said, and he said, God said to him, you are a child of God. It's almost like he was saying, that is your calling. I know you want to be a musician. I know you want to do that. But get, you know, I know you're wrestling with what is my calling? What am I supposed to do? No, no, no. This is where it all starts. This is the, the, the core thing that you need to understand. So that was profound. 
All right, so we heard Chucky saying that. And then Sam, on the 29th of May, he starts to talk about how we are God's purpose here on the earth. And, um, and he talked about it. it was a 10-minute sermon because, you know, God kind of came in and decided to mess up the whole service, which we all love and which, I, Sam, I was so proud of you. You did not um, skip a beat. You got up there as a, as a new preacher, relatively new preacher, and you, you could have balked. You could have said, oh, this is too hard. I haven't got much time now. I don't want to do anything. Or you could have panicked and got, I think I had to give the whole sermon and we would have been there till 1 o'clock in the afternoon. But you pivoted so fast, and that's, that's not just a natural gifting. That, that shows to me a peace in God. It shows to me a stability in knowing who you are and it shows me a deep love for the truth and you wanting to bring the summary of what God was saying to you to the people so that they would have seed to take home, they would have spiritual food to take home. And in 10 minutes, this guy nailed it. He summarised his five pages, well, that's what he said, of notes that he'd prepared. He said, we are God's purpose. And he, and he referenced the story of the, the little boy who gave the fishes and the loaves and Jesus ended up breaking it and it, became, it fed 5,000 men. And then there were, of course, the women and the children as well. And he talked about how the miracle of that, and he, he connected it to the, to the story when the, the disciples got scared about when Jesus was walking on water and then Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and they were all scared. And it ended by saying that they, their hearts were hard. They didn't understand what it, the miracle that they had just seen. And so Sam taught us and said that the miracle of the fishes and the loaves and the breaking of that was knowing that even with little, even with just a little, whatever you have in your hands, um, God can use it. So the question, and this is what he said, the question is not why, whether God can, but the question is, do we have faith in Jesus to use what we have in our hands? And he left us with that. What is in your hands? Oh, it was so powerful. Like seriously, when I go back and listen to this, I kind of want to quote everything that everyone's saying, but then I'd literally be re-preaching their sermon. So I would really encourage you to go back and listen again from the beginning. Go back to the beginning of the year and you will hear God speaking. And then, but get a load of this, on the same day in Jakarta Life, uh, one of our core leaders there, Edwin, now he's never preached before. Now, I've got to tell you this, pardon me, Edwin was the guy in our CBN DMS in January of 2011, he was part of the CBN uh, office or the, the crew there. He was, uh, I can't remember he was involved in camera work or production or something. Anyway, it was staff of 310 people that were forced to give up their holiday between Christmas and New Year by Mark McClendon. It was hilarious. It was awesome. They were forced to sit in this huge big studio called Studio One and they had to listen to an Australian woman absolutely, you know, barrage them with the Word of God. And uh, so he was there. So a lot of them hated me. A lot of them, of course, they didn't want to be there. And they're like, who is this woman? We don't know her. We've heard all this stuff before. And uh, they had to shut down all their work and they had to, they had to um, get all their production happening before they went on the break. And then they had to, like, it just made more work for them. So can you imagine the attitude towards me? So I go in there. We had a team of about 40 or 50, I think, from, from Melbourne that went with us and we ministered to them. And by, uh, I think it was day two, it might have even been day one, I did the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, <laughs> it might have been the second day actually. And, you know, a lot of them were just using the excuse to go to the toilet to get out of the room. And at one point, and 
Edwin always refers to this. He wants to make a T-shirt. Um, so funny. He and his wife have made T-shirts and it says, sin makes you stupid. Um, and now his favourite, he wants to make a, a, a T-shirt with my next statement. That sin makes you stupid is from DMS. That's one of my quotes. Um, but in, on that particular morning, I stood up on the chair and I felt this, this boldness come on me and I just said, lock the doors, stop going out of the room. Every one of you need to stay in here. Now he thought, he, he tells me now he thought I was crazy. He thought I was a mad woman. And I said, we're going to do the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when it came to seeing people filled with the Spirit, and I think 100 out of the 310 got filled with the Spirit, it was so powerful. But you know where Edwin was? He hid behind one of the big black backdrop curtains. He didn't want to be a part of it. Now, I'm saying all that to say this guy preached on the same day that Sam preached. Now, you've got to understand, when we were up there a few weeks ago, we met with them all and I said, Edwin, when are you going to preach? Because he's never preached. I said, come on, whoever's rostering him, put him on the roster. And they all, the whole core leadership team burst out laughing. And I said, why are you laughing? And they said, well, Edwin does the rostering. So I said, all right, Edwin, you put yourself on that roster. And you know what? To his credit, he did. And he preached on the same day. And oh my gosh, he's saying the same thing. In fact, Edwin basically was saying it was so powerful. He said, often we're preoccupied with earthly living, um, such as success and career. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. This is what he was saying. However, with most of those things that we are preoccupied with, they don't move heaven. They don't touch heaven. Um, But Jesus said that when one man gets saved, the whole of heaven rejoices. And he ended by saying the best investment we can make is Matthew 6, 19 to 21, which says, seek first the kingdom of heaven. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. All your other needs will be met. So it's as if the same heart and the same sentiment is coming through in everyone. And all of, all of them, what they're saying is it's pointing us to our purpose and it's pointing us to the simplicity of our calling. And that is what we do in life. But it's a calling to what? You know, Edwin summed it up by saying, you know, heaven doesn't make a sound when we get a new job, basically. Heaven doesn't really kick up a fuss when we buy a new house, get a new job, buy a new car. You know, I was thinking about that. That's really the fruit of an abundant life. Heaven's like, well, yeah, hello. I said you would live an abundant life. You know, heaven doesn't really make a big noise when we get a breakthrough or or get deliverance because that's part of the fruit of serving Jesus is that abundant life in material possessions, in our heart and emotional needs, in our physical. They're all, that's the abundant life. But you know what? All of heaven makes a sound when one man is led to Jesus by someone who responds to the call. And that was the point that he was making. But then, guys, the pinnacle was last Sunday. So you've got to understand, we've been waiting and waiting. Every time we think, are we going to preach this Sunday? I'm like, no, bro, let's just wait and see what else God is saying through these guys. Last Sunday, the pinnacle came when Carvin talked about yielding to that calling. It's not enough to just know about it. It's not enough to just theorise about it. It's not enough to just even wrestle with it or grapple with it. But we have to surrender to the gift that God has given us, regardless of the inevitable suffering that accompanies that choice. And that's pretty much what Carvin spoke about last night. It was, Brahm says it was one of the most powerful sermons he's ever heard, and I agree. And you know what? That is church. 
It's all these living stones that are, are walking and living and breathing uh, the word of God and the truth of God. It's going into the soil of their hearts. You know, Calvin said, God won't stir up that calling. He won't stir up that gift that's been put in you. We must stir it up. Um, and he says, the Holy Spirit in us, that is how we are discipled. He talked about Paul, how Paul reminded Timothy uh, to fan into flame. Um, there's a gift in there. You can't operate out of the gift of God unless you consistently fan it into flame. This is what Carvin was saying. I'm summarising. We wait for God to move in us instead of watching him move in us as we fan the flame that is on us. God won't stir the gift up. That's up to us. And he went on to say we all have fears. Clearly, Timothy had some fears. This is the point he was making. He talked about how, you know, we've fallen into the trap of church culture where we think that the, the gift in someone's life and on someone's life is their personality. But it's not. He made it very clear as he expounded. I'm talking, these sermons are so rich in the scriptures, you literally have to stop and go and read them and, and, and understand and grasp what God is saying through these guys. But then he left us with the ultimate challenge and instruction, not just to Timothy, but to us. He said, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Whoa, that hit me like a hammer. You know, the Bible tells us that the word of God is like a hammer. And, and it's, it's a sword. It cuts and separates and divides. It separates the thoughts and intentions of the heart, the soul from the spirit. It accurately uh, you know, cuts through the, the, the crap, basically, all the stuff in our soul that wants to go this way, and then the spirit man, which is hungering after God. And that's what happened to me. It, that, that scripture, it, it reminded me of a dream that God had given me, telling me basically the same thing, to guard the good deposit, Diane, that's been entrusted to you. Guard it, though, not with your own strength, because it's not by might, it's not by power. It's only by His Spirit that we'll accomplish anything. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. In other words, let me summarise. Guard your entrustment. Treasure your calling. Prioritise the presence of the incorruptible, the incorruptible seed that is in you. And, you know... We can say that and it sounds fantastic, it's awesome, you know, great preaching, but I'm telling you, any single one of us can go off track in this. You know, the cares of this world can take us off, off, off guard. You know, I've been learning the grief. I've gone through a lot of grief. I'll talk about that one day. Grief can just cause you to meander and move and and, and forget who you are and not treasure and guard the entrustment that God has given you and not treasure the calling and not prioritise the presence and not just prioritising but submitting to the presence of the incorruptible seed that is in us. Anything can stop us. It can stop you. It can stop me. It can stop pastors. It, it it doesn't matter who, nobody is, is immune to this. And Paul, who's learned this lesson, is saying to Timothy, this young minister, you be careful, you guard that treasure, you guard that thing, that, that, that very entrustment that God has placed within you. And uh, it's amazing. You know, I, I've watched God shifting the mindsets 
And I've seen these people and many in our church responding to that upward pull, that, that, that upward lift that comes. When God begins to shift our mindsets, there's an instantaneous kind of upward pull into the, into the purposes of God. And I can see that happening in people's lives. And I can see our guys lifted into a new authority where they are, they're not just hearing the message in their hearts. And of course, that's where it starts. But they're choosing, now listen to this, they're choosing to respond with a surrendered heart, they are guarding, they are treasuring, and they are prioritising that message. They are living the message. You can't fake what they're saying. You can't manufacture that. You know, they're, they're spontaneously saying, yes, I'll preach this Sunday. And they've all got jobs, they're all busy, they've got busy lives, they've got families, they've got all sorts of things. But what it shows me is they have prioritised the, the Word of God. They are, they, have, they are finding time in their busy lives to put the Word of God into their, into their spirits, into their hearts, because you can't fake that. You can't, you know, that when we preach and the Word of God keeps spilling out, it's because we've sown it in. There's, there's been a time where we've actually sown it in. And uh, you can't just scramble and put together sermons like that and say, oh, what, what scripture? Oh, quick, let's, let's look up a commentary and find. No, no, no. It's already in there. It's already in there. And they're, they're not just guarding, treasuring, and prioritizing, but they're living the message. And so now, what really blesses Brahma and I is that they are becoming the message. And that is what we've been witnessing these last few months. And it gives them the right to preach these messages. And you know what? No one will be able to take this message away from their hearts. No one, because it's embedded in them. And I want you guys to see that these people are leading you, leading us in truth. And I believe there's more of you. I believe, sorry, I actually don't know which camera to look up. Look at, I've got two cameras in front of me. Sorry if I'm, oh, the bottom one, I've been looking at the top one. Sorry, guys, if you all think I've been looking out the window. Um, but these guys are leading us all in truth. Okay, because there's a new generation. There's a Joshua generation. They're, they're coming up and they're saying, come on, give me my land. Give me my territory. Give me what, what belongs to me. But they've, they've had to make the choice to step into the Jordan River, to step into the call of God, step into following Jesus and walking with him. And uh, it's kind of as if God is sort of tapping people on the spiritual shoulder and waking them up. And all the truth that has been sown and taken root over the years is, is beginning to, to come up. You know, it, it just blesses me. I think of Josh, you know, our son. When he was nine years old, he'd sit down the back, you know, uh, um, as a nine-year-old when we were doing our very first DMS in, in 2004, just before he turned uh, 10. And he, he, to be honest, he could probably boast that he is the the longest serving DMS student um, because I think we dragged him along because he had nowhere else to go and his older brothers and sisters didn't want to look after him. So he'd sit down the back. <laughs> but that word has gone in. It's gone in. It's gone in. It's gone in. You know, Carvin, talk to him about his history, being dragged along to church Sunday nights, sleeping down the back on 
you know, probably you would, the same thing happened to you, Dan. You know, this is what people were brought up in and raised up in, always hearing the word of God. Um, you know, Chucky the same comes from an incredible uh, family of parents that have served God and shown him how to faithfully, with longevity, um, serve God. Sam, the same, you know, parents that have displayed that truth, raised him up in church, taking him through. You know, they, they've all had the word, but you've got to understand the word's gone. And this is why parents get your kids into that atmosphere constantly. It's the word is going in. They're hearing it. It'll it'll speak back to them. You know, just um, just yesterday, we had a family dinner and and I had prayer towel worship going on in in our bedroom, and because um, I was showing Lucy a picture of me that Brahma always says, oh, that that really looks like Lucy. So she wanted to see the picture, and and so so I had to put on prayer towel to show her the picture of me as as a little girl. I think it was about four or five. And um, and as the music's playing, and it would have been Abby or Hannah or someone leading worship, Lucy just began to sing along with the song and she knew all the words. And I said, how do you know that? She goes, from church. You know, now she's just come along. She's been one of the kids. Lucy's our granddaughter, by the way. Hang, hung out and, you know, you would never think they're attentive, but it's gone in. See, that's the principle and it's the words, even in the songs, the, the words that we sing, we're singing the word of God that nurtures us and it nourishes us and it feeds us and it goes in and it builds. But listen, listen to what happens in Mark 4, 26, 29. This is what it says. And Jesus was saying the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seeds upon the soil and he goes to bed at night and gets up by day and the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. Now, note that the guy doesn't stay up panicking at night and go and dig up see to make see if it's still there or whatever you know he 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 just he's peaceful he he actually doesn't know how it grows but the truth is the seed kind of does its work a good seed will do what it's supposed to do and if it's in good soil there's no stopping i mean just look at weeds there's no stopping seeds in good soil good and bad seeds and it says then in verse 28 the soil now that's the key there you want to highlight that word there the soil produces the crops by itself. The seed is what needs to grow, but the seed doesn't produce the crop. The soil that the seed is embedded in, that nurtures and nourishes, that's what produces the crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So you know what I see? I see all the years of the sowing of the Word of God in all these guys' lives, just the sowing, the sowing, the sowing, probably years of rebelling and walking away and challenging and questioning and, you know, but that seed, if it finds a heart that is yielded to God, it is yielded to the call of God, surrendered to the purpose of God, birthed out of our identity in Christ, no other identity, no natural identity, then that seed will do its work. And if it embeds itself in our hearts, we have to do our part. And that's what I see is happening. And the harvest of sowing that word of truth in their lives, it's happening right in front of our very eyes. So in conclusion, I want to go back to something Chucky said. We don't fear man Oh, such a powerful sermon. They're, they're just gems in every single one of these sermons, literal gems. 
We don't fear man when we learn to fear God and have that pedestal of, of worshipping God and fearing him above man. Then we can walk in our purpose and calling. And he told us the key is not forgetting our identity and our purpose. And when we look at or highlight our calling, in other words, what we do in life, when we obsess over that and, 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 and we, we, we make that bigger than it should be and we don't actually focus on our purpose, then we forget and we lose perspective and we can end up even resenting our calling because it's not happening, because we've got our eyes on the wrong thing. And it's interesting how he said to us and taught us that when we're doing something, we tend to look down at what we are doing. But he said, but we have to look up and have our eyes looking up on Jesus, on the big picture of where God is taking us. Now, that brings me to the final verse, circling right back to where we started. Listen to this. If I read again the scripture I started with, John 4, 31. Meanwhile... The disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And the very next verse, verse 35 says, do not say. Do not say. There are yet four months and then comes the harvest. Oh, sorry, do you not say, sorry, do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. Chucky said, we get so obsessed over what we want to do as individuals, what we think we want to do with our lives. And he exhorted us, lift up our eyes. Get your eyes off that. Get your eyes off the calling because you, you, you can resent it in the end. You can get bitter. You can go down. You can, why isn't this happening in my life? Why, why, why aren't I the, the great thing that I, you know, that I even had prophesied over me or whatever? Why aren't I, why aren't I doing what I thought I you know, wanted to do? You know, we get to our 40s and, and we have, you know, they talk about midlife what is that? Midlife crises. Because people sort of start to think about, what have I actually done with my life? Well, let me tell you, when you hit your 60s, it's not just what have I done with my life. You know what you start to go? Who have I been all my life? That's actually a lot scarier. Who have I been? And the battle with regrets and, and all of that sort of thing. But you see, when we keep our eyes looking up and on him, none of that matters. You find out who you're meant to be. You find out how you can live. You find out and you discover that regardless of who you have been, our lives are hidden in Christ and we're dead anyway. We die to everything because it's his life that has to live through us. So the very next verse says what? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. Wow. You see, when we allow our souls the incredible nourishment of eating the food, which is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work, the immediate impact will be harvest. Doing the will of God always, always impacts other people. But the amazing thing is it nurtures our soul at the same time. Guys, I'm speaking from reality. 
I'm speaking from experience. I'm now 63. Brahm's about to turn 68 this year. We have never felt more nourished and nurtured in our lives because we have pursued the will of God. I look at so many other people my age group. They're, they're retiring or some of them have already retired and they're lost. They kind of don't know what to do now with their lives. And it's like that's it. And Brump and I look at each other and say we couldn't bear to just be sitting at home doing the gardening and playing. I mean, we love playing with the grandkids, but, you know, and, or going shopping and finding specials and travelling around the world and now where we go. Like how boring How boring. Sorry, I shouldn't have mentioned the grandkids because that is definitely not boring. But do you understand what I'm saying? And those of you who are my age, you will know exactly what I'm saying. But there is purpose. And it's never too late. So I am so excited because I I can see that God is speaking so clearly. So I'm going to call the music team right back now. And uh, I don't know what song you want to do. I'm getting signals from Abby. What, is it, what are we going to do, sweetheart? Oh, yes, I love that song. But you'll have to turn my mic off because I get too excited and, and I'll bark. I won't just sing melodically. It will be like a bark in your ears. Um, but let's just sing glory to God and finish with this. And let's be ready for what God is going to do. I want to pray for you guys. Let's start the, the, the music and I'll just, let me just pray. Father, I pray today, Lord, I can see that there is a, a, a harvest that is happening in, in, in everybody's lives, Lord. And it's not just the ones that we've heard preaching that have willingly uh, stepped up and even asked if they could speak, Lord. Like it's, it's mind-blowing, Lord, to see the reality of the truth of the Word of God in their hearts. They are the message, Lord. You can't contain that, Lord. And when, when seed starts to sprout in a, in a rich soil of, of, a, of a heart that is surrendered to, to the purpose of God, to the call of God, to the identity that we have in Jesus, there is nothing stopping that. It blesses all of us. I know it's blessed me, Father. And so I ask for increase, Lord, not only on these guys, but on everyone in, in Melbourne life, in Jakarta life. I thank You, God. You are speaking the same thing, that it is seeking first the Kingdom of Heaven, Lord. That's all we have to do. Everything else, all our needs, our jobs, our, our relationships, our health, our, our monetary situation, whatever, all our needs, Lord, our natural needs. Even for us as a church, Lord, we have a need for a building, God. God, we bring that need. And I know Chucky is hammering and uh, building down the doors of heaven with that prayer, Lord. We need a building. We need our own space. But Lord, we also acknowledge that's actually a need. That's not the, that's not the end. The real church is us. So Father, I say, Lord, let's, let's focus on the kingdom of heaven. Let's focus on building ourselves up as the living stones of the real church, Lord. And all our needs, a building, it'll be provided. It'll come supernaturally. We will get a building, God. But the real church will not stop being built, Father, because the living stones are living and breathing and they're they're gathering together, they're joining together. Every joint is is supplying, Father. I can see that, Lord. They're building off of one another. They're encouraging one another. One week is building into the next week. They're all hearing the same thing. And it's the Holy Spirit who... Uh, gathers us all together and binds us all together and we are being formed into the house of God. Woo! God, this is what the house of God looks like. Father, continue, continue to give us the revelation of what the house of God really looks like. It doesn't look like a mega church, Father, in a huge building with lights and fog machines and 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 
everything, Lord. That's great. That's, that's cool if you want to do that. But Father, it's all the people that are there. Let's release these people. Let's get, let's, let's scatter them like good seed. Let's see them, Father. Let's just upend your church, Father. Upend your church. In fact, I don't think I need to pray that. I think you're already doing that. We are witnessing that, God. You are upending. And it's, it's almost like you're turning the tables in the temple and saying, I'm going to show you what church is. It's you. It's my people. It's, it's, it's doing the boring stuff in life and letting the Word of God uh, grow in you and the Spirit of truth speak to you. Father, day in, day out. We don't know how the seed grows. We just have to sow it. We just have to put it in our hearts, Lord. We don't know how it grows. But one day, one day, it's going to begin to sprout. One day, we're going to be just like Alana said about Chucky. We're going to become walking sermons. That's because the Word of God is beginning to sprout. It's beginning to grow. First the ear, then the blade, and then the full crop. And you know what? Then the harvest comes. Father, I ask you for that. I ask you for the fire of your Spirit to touch our people. Yet again, Lord, yet again, yet again, Father. Many of our people have experienced revival when they were kids. You know, we dragged our kids along to revival meetings when they were seven. I remember Josh was two and a half being prayed for um, at the altar while he was eating a box of biscuits. But that's okay, Lord. You saw his heart, God. He had his eyes closed, Lord. That's the main thing. He, he was praying, even though he was eating biscuits and didn't want to let go of the biscuits. <laughs> Father, they've, been, they've experienced it. Lord, they've had moments of feeling the Spirit of God touch them. So many people listening right now are weary because they know. They're so confused because they've, they've felt that in the past. They've heard that in the past, but they've seen this wrong display of what church is. And it's confusing, Lord. But if we will wrestle, Father, I pray for those who are still wrestling. I pray for those that are struggling. I pray for those that the the seed of the Word of God is in their hearts, but the cares of this world, the cares of this world and and the rocks and the thorns and the thistles, the unforgivenesses, the bitterness, the griefs, Lord, all the things that are trying to strangle and crowd out the Word of God in their hearts. I pray, Lord God, that they would wrestle. They would wrestle, Lord God, like Josh, wrestle with the Word of God. I pray that they would press in like Carvin, Lord, and has has pursued and hungered and wrestled with the truth of what is church, really? Having to let go of so many mindsets, of watching Sam conquer, Lord, just conquer in this life, Lord, and come into a completely new place of absolute surrender. Father, an ongoing surrender. Lord, it is glorious to me. Lord, it is so beautiful to watch, Father. And I want to see more. I want to see more, Lord. I want to see more. Come on, Lord. Stir up your living stones, Father. Stir them up, God, at the fire of God. Come on them even now, Lord. Pour it out on Ange, God. Come on, Lord. Do a new thing, Father. Do a new thing, Lord Jesus. Do it in Abby, Lord God. Father, I want to hear her preaching, Lord. Stir up the Word of God in Abby, Lord God. Let a fire be released, Father. Father, build the truth in Alana, Lord, that the day is coming when you will release her, Lord, first the blade and then the 
the, 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 the ear or whatever it is, Lord, that the, the seed will begin to sprout, Lord, but it's in there. I know it's there and I know it's coming, Lord. Come on, God, do it. Do it in honor, Lord. That bold, awesome woman of God, Father. I thank you, Lord, for honor. I thank you, Father, for the purity of her spirit. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the boldness that you place within her. I thank you, Father, for the ability to, to be uh, black and white with the truth of the Word of God. And I thank you for that evangelistic anointing. Father, do not let her be discouraged, Father. Do not let her grow weary. But, Father, lift her up, Father. Lift her up, Father God, and let the Word of God come out like a roar in honor because I know it's in there, Father. And I know it's coming, Father. Come on, guys, pray with me. I don't care that we're online. I don't care that we're streaming. This is who we are. We pray in the Spirit and we feel the fire of God. Come on, guys, let's pray. Come on, I don't care what I sound like. Woo! This is church. This is church. That's it, God. You're doing a new thing. A new thing, Lord. You are doing a path.